When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think a lot of people look to Kari and understand how impressive he is. You need to have a clear sense of who are you building this for. Sometimes there's all kinds of ideas like, yeah, we should do this. Or like people might say like, yeah, you need to think about your accounting or your legal things. Anything else can feel like a distraction, something that pulls you away from your customers. And those things are important, but a lot of things can be done later. Whenever you think about doing something, you should ask yourself like, do we really need to do this now? Almost nothing else really matters, especially in the beginning. Something that people want, that's what you should focus I'm Kari, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Linear. We help companies with their project management and issue tracking needs, and we are primarily focused on helping software companies to build software. We're now at the Series B, so we raised 52 million in total across the, like, the Series B, A, and, and Seed. We're growing fast. We're now like, getting a lot of customers in this growth segment. Companies like Vercel and Remote and Replit are some of the like, new customers joined. Grew up in Finland and I started designing websites when I was 16. I wanted to make a website for our, our team and so I learned how to do that. I did work in some like early stage startup back in 15 years ago. There wasn't much about startups in Finland. People really didn't even know the word. So we started this Arctic startup blog, which is kind of like TechCrunch, focusing on the Nordics. And then like what got me to the States 10 years ago, I had a startup called Kip to like a social bookmarking service and a lot of people can use it in different ways. A teacher could use it with their class. There's so many different kinds of people using it sometimes that's great but sometimes it's also becomes really distracting in the end it's it's not really like making it slightly better for the teachers doesn't necessarily push you forward so i think like a focus especially early on is like very important so like you need to have a clear sense of who are you building this for we didn't have like a clear vision and we didn't understand what's the business model like how are we actually going to make money with this and we tried like different things but they didn't likely work out yeah after my first company i was definitely feeling burned out of the startup founder experience and i needed some time to just have a job and work on something like design. So we ended up joining Coinbase. In 2014, like crypto was a different space. Most services back then, random text here, and it was really hard to understand what is even going on on the screen. Some of these designs back then were probably fine for some of the, the crypto nerds that knew all of this stuff, but it wasn't something that would work for most people. We try to figure out like, how do we make this like simpler and more understandable? And then like went to Airbnb. And what I like maybe learned most from Brian Chesky was that the brand and of Airbnb was one of the most important things. I think Airbnb with all their storytelling and the work years on the brand. And I think like that happened because Brian really like cared about it. He's a really good storyteller. And I think it's kind of rare also in Silicon Valley. A lot of founders don't think that way and they don't really necessarily even understand what a brand means. After four or five years, I started to feel that I really want to do something on my own. And now start Linear about four years ago. 
building software can be like a very complicated process and there might be different kinds of steps and you also need to maintain all the software you've built so far. So what usually happens is companies need some kind of system to manage the coordination of the work. Companies need to fix existing bugs and they also have to create new features. And I think the existing tools, they're kind of based on more outdated way of thinking. No one is happy about the experience of working at the Airbnb. Uh, I felt that too. I would use these tools. I don't really understand what's even going on here. A lot of people shared that sentiment. Three of us, Jory, Thomas and me, all of us, we kind of had that kind of feeling that something needs to be done. We think like we have some ideas how to do this better. We started interviewing people to ask them, what do you think is wrong with these systems or tools? What they dislike the most with the existing tools, how slow they are. Especially our co-founder, Thomas, he's very good at this kind of like technical architecture. And he started thinking about this problem. It's like, how do we do it? And he started prototyping different systems. What could we use existing services? Could we use existing frameworks to do this? But like actually at the time, there was nothing that like really suited us. So we ended up building this our own like sync engine. And the whole application is built more of this like a local first architecture, which means that all the actions you take in the product happens on the user's device first, and then they get synced into the cloud. It means that every action you take is like instant. You don't notice any kind of lag when you're doing it. You're not interrupted by waiting for something. I started exploring the UI, so we did have several different directions or thoughts which way we could build this UI. It needs to be a professional tool and more of like an application than a website. A lot of like existing tools are much more like built with that like a website type of mindset, which means that they don't really feel that professional applications that where you can like easily move things around and it's like more dense and you see more information at once. Those were like some of the first steps we did. Eventually we started building the prototype and continued building from there. You need a place where you can put in things that needs to be done or needs to be fixed and then you assign them between different teams or different people. We try to optimize it for streamlining things, making things simpler. Why we do that is we think like people should be spending more time and energy on actually building the things. The goal of the first MVP is we just need to have a basic functionality that we can do. We just need to be able to put tasks or issues into the application, see them, and then move them around. The second MVP was like, okay, now we can use it ourselves. We should get into a state where someone else can use like features that we really need for someone to like try it out other than ourselves. One of the founders was a designer. I think it's a very powerful thing to have a designer early on because then even your MVP can be somewhat good or something that, that people will pay attention to. So we did have linear on product hunt. We had this like very simple website, which just had a, a dark screenshot of the apps. And then we just had like an email field to, for people to sign up on a waitlist. And we used that waitlist as a way to find the right kind of users, the early users, because we knew that the software doesn't work for all kinds of companies. We got 2000 people signing up on the waitlist on the first month. And then basically every week, we just invited some amount of the people. I would email them personally, like, here's your invite. Let me know if there's any. Then people would give us feedback. Then we'll fix the things that people complain about, then we invite the next batch of people, then they find some other problems. We spend like a year in this way of private beta where we were fixing problems that people were telling us. In the private beta, we didn't have the billing system yet. To test it out, we just wanted to add this like a slider where people can choose the price that they want to pay for the product. And then it was interesting to see that some people chose like $1 and some people choose like $20 per seat. It also gave us a little bit of confidence. Yeah, actually like people are willing to pay for this. I think probably like 95% of the beta customers subscribe in the first month, which felt good, but like there was hardly any 
complaints about the pricing or the plans. And then by the time we launched it, it was already like a pretty good state. And then we were confident that anyone use it. It started growing very fast once we like open it up to people. When we actually announced the tweets and the blog posts, it resonated very well with the audience because it was things everyone was thinking about. And also I think showed us like how much demand there is for this, that like people are really like starving for this or they want something new in the space. And we are kind of like built linear more in the, the post agile world. What we saw at, for example, at Airbnb is like the teams worked differently. So with the linear, we tried to add kind of workflows into the app. We really wanted to focus on is the actual end user experience. What are the customers who want to use our product, maybe sign up for our product, but aren't exactly sure if it's like a right fit for their team. So they want to talk to a human being. If they have a problem with the product, it's not working to their expectations. They want to talk to a human being on our customer experience team. We are aiming to help drive product-led growth. And there are a lot of metrics I think that you can associate with that. Metrics like, are we driving down the number of times that people have to reach out to us because they have a problem? Are we increasing the number of people who want to reach out to us because they want to have a conversation with the sales team? They want to evaluate linear in a more formal way. Those are the kinds of metrics that I think about driving because in a product-led growth business, all of those are really inputs into what ends up being happy customers using the product. To me, these kind of products are often about the communication and coordination within the company. That only happens if people use the product and use it frequently. So what happens with some of these other tools that they're built with other priorities in mind, maybe they have a lot of features or they have a lot of complicated things because someone in the organization wanted those things. But what it happens, it's, it makes the whole product experience very complicated, which then leads people not using the tool, or especially engineers are avoiding using the tool. In the end, they are the ones that know if the work happened or not. They are the, like the source of truth in that way. And if the engineers don't use that tool, the tool is not really like helping the company. In a lot of ways, anything else can feel like a distraction, something that pulls you away from your customers, something that pulls you away from building a great product. When we think about building products, I think a lot of people look to Kari and understand how impressive he is like as a designer, as a product thinker. He understands the customer incredibly well. He understands what they want to see in many ways. We really focus on is how do we make this experience as frictionless as possible to the, especially to the engineers, but the other people in the company as well, so that they're more like likely to use it and use it more frequently. We've spent no more than $35,000 on marketing. And when you look at the growth for the business, it's all been heavily organic. People just telling other people about how great the product is and those people then sign up for it. I think when you have that amazing word of mouth, it starts to build a really strong brand. From there, we have a really fantastic business. We have thousands of customers from startups to public companies, Cash App, Remote, Vercel. I think it's really, impressive to build a business that is so beloved by customers with a strong brand and profitable so early in its lifetime. The next challenge for us is enabling that product to reach as many people as possible. There are a lot of people who have never heard of Linear all around the world who are building software, building products. We want to build a go-to-market organization that reaches those customers, helps them understand what value Linear can bring to them, and and helps them build successful products. We want to be the system of building products. What it means that when you're building software or, or other products, there's different kinds of steps. 
that needs to happen to in order to build that. Usually you need to understand first what do you want to even build, like what are the problems you want to solve, and then you need to plan it out. How do we actually do go about it and what is the priority of these things? And then eventually you get to the build stage where you actually now start building the project or the feature. What we want to expand Linear into is more of how do we help companies more with the planning and discovery part? Because today we help companies more of the build part, the execution. Once you know what you want to build, then we help the companies and the teams to, to do that. But we think there's also opportunity to help them more with the planning and discover as well. I think we have this very individual contributor focus, which means that instead of having lots of managers and a lot of layers of managers, we have maybe one person with a manager title in a company. We expect much more that people actually do things. They fix problems. What we believe in is it's much more powerful to have the designers or engineers trying to shape the product and think about like what the features would work when you're actually building something. Like you see a lot of opportunities, how it could be better. Like when you're building it, you can see like this way better, or like maybe this whole direction is wrong because that doesn't actually feel good or it doesn't work that way. When you give that kind of control or autonomy to the team who are actually building it, I think it's like the results can be much better. On my first company, I might like take meetings with VCs because they would reach out to me or I would reach out to them all the time. Again, it can be kind of like distracting and also it doesn't necessarily like lead to anything because there isn't enough momentum and if you're not raising, then usually those conversations are not really going anywhere. It's better to just talk to the investors when you think about the fundraising and then like try to talk to many investors at once so you cannot create some level of momentum there and not try to like do it all the time because it's also distracting and takes the time away from actually building the products and or talking to the users which is more important sometimes there's all kinds of ideas like yeah we should do this or like people might say like yeah you need to think about your accounting or you need to think about your legal things or something and those things are important but also a lot of things can be done later whenever you think about doing something you should ask yourselves like do we really need to do this now could we do this later and if it's doesn't advance the product or it doesn't get you more customers or users, then it's probably something like you can try to avoid or like put off longer. Almost all of this advice comes down to focus and prioritization of what is actually important to do right now. When you start a company or a startup, you always have to kind of think, is this type of a problem I want to spend 10 years on? And do I enjoy this problem? Like, do I have some kind of insights into it? Because then like, it makes a lot of things easier. Plus, like, if you just think about your future life, that like, it's probably you want to work on something that interests you you need to build that product that like someone can use and then you need to find those people that will work and use it. Almost nothing else really matters, in, especially in the beginning. You don't have to think about the organization or you don't have to think about fundraising necessarily or you don't have to think about all kinds of like business things and you shouldn't necessarily like go to like conferences or like networking things all the time. Like I think what really matters is like you build, build something that people want and that's what you should focus on.